0: Head over to TheInforium.com slash Nebula to sign up now. What's going on, Martin? Oh, I'm
1: just, you know, hanging out. Just recording a podcast. Just chilling? Yeah.
0: I see that you have upgraded your setup from the last time we attempted to record this and horrendously messed up the technical
1: parts of it. Oops. Oh, yeah. Whoops. (laughs) Well, for the most part, this is probably where I'll have my notes. Wait, did I just tell people that? What? Now they'll know we're not perfect? No! Don't tell them. Oops,
0: I'll have to cut that out. Don't tell them. Yep. Sorry, I meant... Um, this is the first time we've ever recorded this and also every video I do is done in one take Yeah, everything just one take like those cuts. That's actually me teleporting to a new position Yeah,
1: yeah, we do no editing brilliant. Yep I believe you
0: (laughs) but yes, this is the this is the uh second time we've had to do this because in our constant um journey to improve the setup in the studio There will be mistakes made which I think we even said that at one point, like when we first did video. So I don't know, probably. So I'm fine with that. Though I do uh, I do enjoy that we have some different tea today. Not that I don't like really spicy cinnamon tea, but number one, variety is the spice of life. And number two, I'm out.
1: I actually think spice is mostly the spice of life.
0: Don't you sass me, boy. I'm just saying. <laughs> I need to find a good tea shop here in Denver because the stuff I usually get is in Boulder and I did just ride my bike to Boulder the other day, but a round trip to Boulder would be 70 miles, which just buy more tea at once is doable. Oh, I did last time. I went from two ounces to four ounces. I think next time I'm just going to get like, I don't know, a couple kilos, yeah, or something like that. Just a giant like cabinet full of it. Yep, maybe. I mean, I'm not that opposed to that idea. I mean, if you're gonna drink the same thing, that meant that Though, much. why not? It might not stay fresh that long. Like, even if it is in an airtight bag, I I would imagine there's well some yeah, like I mean, shelf life of but tea. But they're storing it, so just don't get much more than they need to store it. I mean, they're storing it, but I'm guessing if I come in six months from now, what they're gonna sell me has not been sitting in the tin for six months. Yeah, but I think you could go through a tin before it'll
1: go bad. Because you, you drink like the same tea all the time. Oh, I do. But I'm, I was like saying like two kilograms.
0: Like I, I really oh, don't no, think it's two do kilograms. That. No, don't
1: actually do that. That would be like. That's too much. A grain silo of it. No. Maybe maybe a little less than that. Uh, obviously you should do something reasonable. Yeah. To this a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I did ride my bike
0: to a the other day. It's uh 34 miles to. And then because it got rained out, I took the bus back and just biked six miles from downtown to home. Mm. But it was a good 40 mile day. The bus have a bike rack on it. The it did, but they were both taken up, so I had to shove my bike in like the under storage. Fun, like I mean, it wasn't a big deal. Wait, what
1: under storage? Like under one of the seats? The bus, the bus, no, the or buses actually have, 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 have like. Bus? Have you ever like seen like a charter bus? I mean, I've probably seen one, but they I, have like these big cargo bin things that they them. can
0: open up that are like below the cabin of the bus. Basically, you yeah. access them from the side. Okay, yeah, they're like cool. at the same level of as the wheels, pretty much. Yep. So I just shoved my bike in there and I was good to go. But yeah, I was like a little bit freaking out at first because both the bike racks were full. And I was like, damn it, am I going to have to wait yeah. for like an hour for the next bus? But no, it was all good. It was all good. Anyway, um, I have one little announcement that I want to share with our listeners because this is going out Tuesday, August. What's the date? 15th? Yes. I don't know. August 15th. Um, today is Crash Course Day and by that I mean Tuesdays is when Crash Course Study Skills comes out, so if you're watching this on launch day, there will be a new Crash Course Study Skills on the Crash Course channel today. They usually publish at like 3 to 4 p.m. mountain time, so later in the day, but I'm guessing by the time this is up on YouTube it will be live, so if you wanna learn how to read your textbook assignments more efficiently and remember what you read, that is the video that we are publishing on that channel this week, so we'll have linked in the description below in the show notes, all those good places. But here on this episode, today we want to cover what to do to get prepared for the new semester. We've been getting a lot of questions on this, and I'm very sorry for messing up your pre-planned episode schedule, Martin. That's fine. But I felt like this was a good topic to cover now. Oh, yeah. Because when did you say your sister starts classes? Like, next week? Monday. Monday, okay. So, yeah, we're giving her a good, like, six days. Hello, little sister. (laughs) I'm Martin's sister. So... I have a bunch of things to cover in this episode. Uh, I'm guessing you do as well. So why don't we just jump right into it? Yeah, I got some stuff. Well, just, you got that giant outline there.
1: I do have a big giant outline. Take us away, fearless leader. Don't you mean Ernie? No, you're a fearless leader. (laughs) And if you think Ernie cannot be called fearless leader, then you don't understand Ernie of the night bus.
0: He is a fearless leader. He's very fearless. Of the night bus.
1: Duh. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So, my, I guess
0: the biggest thing for me is I think to be prepared for the new semester, you want to use the lack of obligations you have right now and the generally higher level of motivation to prep as much as you possibly can, build an organizational system, get things into your calendar, basically just set things up so that everything is easier later on when you are dealing with homework assignments and tests and studying and all that kind of stuff and mattress jousting in the hallways.
1: Yeah. Especially because master's, ju- madam, mattress, master's mat- jousting, mattress jousting. Yeah. Sometimes I transpose consonants. You know what it is. Yeah. Well, sometimes I trip over a lingua
0: linguidentical. lingua <laughs> That's not it. I love just making up linguistics. That's that's ling- not du- it. Linguistics terms. You're I like just, up a lot of them. Yeah. Well, every time I try to like make fun of you a little bit for linguistics, I don't remember the names of the actual terms. So I just make one up. That's fair. You were
1: close lingua fricadental lingua dental fricative would have worked that's
0: what it is lingua dental fricative i don't even know what
1: that
0: is oh when you say like the
1: the The. yeah
0: gotcha all right so the that's that's an example first thing i think you should do is to make sure your calendar is filled out so what i mean by that is your calendar is like the external system you should trust to remind you to do things all throughout the semester not your brain so look ahead at what's going to come up during the semester from now until the end of it and get it on your calendar. That's stuff like when's finals week? Um, when and where are the finals during finals week for each of your classes? Because I don't know about most people at home, but at Iowa State, like a lot of my classes were not in the same classroom
1: as yeah. the actual class was. Yeah, they made it really confusing. Oh, the, sure there of was the finals. a reason, probably, but it was confusing. The
0: reason was reasons we'll go with that
1: that's fair i have no idea why keep us on our toes that's just another one of the finals that you have to pass oh is the deciphering scheduling i mean you're kind of not wrong that is a pretty important life skill being able to know
0: when and where you're supposed to be like a a lot of people kind of fail that so yeah maybe that's what iowa state was doing they're trying to make sure people know where
1: to be (laughs) that'd be pretty clever
0: but yeah on the uh, academic calendar which is on the college's website you can see I'm not sure if this is released like right at the beginning of the semester, but pretty early on, they'll release like a final schedule. and it's like, hey, if your class is Tuesday at 10 a.m, that's like the first day of the week you go to class, then your final is gonna be Wednesday at 7 p.m. And then usually it'll say like for this class, it's actually over in this building. And one semester I didn't look at that and I showed up at my classroom for the final and it was like lights off, door was closed, nobody there. and I freaked out. Yeah, I was like reasonably. Did I just miss my final? And then I looked on the site and I was like, Oh no, okay, it's over on this side of campus. So had I known so were before, you, were you late for it when you actually got there? Um, no, because I was early for the final in the first place. That is also a good tip: don't oh, show up to your final like literally fair. the minute it starts. Yeah. So I did have about ten minutes to run over and get to the right room. <laughs> that's good. You should always assume that something might go wrong. Mm-hmm. It's a final. Yeah, exactly. So you can have things like. I don't know, like holidays, like when school's going to be canceled or closed. Um, I've got things like, oh, the big thing for me was always, I wanted to know as soon as possible when I could sign up for the next semester's classes. Yeah. Because it was competitive to get in some classes and like the moment that it opened, people would be going in there to sign up and spots are dwindling. Yeah.
1: It was battle royale. It basically was battle royale for classes, especially the wine tasting class. My girlfriend got shut out of a class she wanted to take her entire education because people would snatch it up so fast did she oh you mean that one was it like packaging it it was like yeah it was a specific design elective she really wanted it was packaging she never got to take it I remember that yeah did Anna ever get to take that one I don't know. i do not I'm sure. Because I remember they were both complaining about how it was always full. Yeah, but that's the reality of scheduling is you've, you've got all these other students who want to take this at the perfect time or with the best teacher, according to Ray, mm-hmm. my professors or whatever. Mostly the teachers with the chili peppers, probably. Probably. You know, but I got to schedule full of chili peppers. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's a spicy semester.
1: But it's, it's very important to be on top of that. <laughs> It's a spicy semester. That's fair.
0: I didn't actually think about that last time we tried to record this, but when you are signing up for new classes for the next semester, um, looking at rate My Professors is something that is useful to do and also asking upperclassmen. Actually, I think that is honestly a better way to do it because rate My Professors is a decent source, but the one thing I've realized is you have to take it with a grain of salt because a lot of people will... Let's just say put their own <clears throat> shortcomings onto the professor. Like oh, a lot yeah. of times, like this professor is really difficult, or you know they're really hard, is is like code for I was lazy,
1: and yeah. I didn't want to study. No, I, I don't necessarily just look at the score. I, w- I definitely did read through actual reviews to find out. Okay, this person just didn't like there was that it was hard. That's yeah. fine because I like this topic. It's okay if it's hard as long as the teacher's willing to help. Did they say the teacher could help? This person yeah. never asked. I'm going to ignore that review. It's like Amazon because half yes. the tech things you're going to be like, this is USB flash drive didn't work. Yeah, it's probably because you plugged it into the CD drive. Not even tech things. And like that you just don't know what you're doing with the item. So you can't trust all reviews. A little
0: while ago, I was looking for tie bars on Amazon. Wait,
1: what? A tie
0: bar is like you like you're wearing a tie, right? Oh, wait. Yeah, that makes sense. you want to keep it like I thought tie like
1: food and then I was like, oh. bars like a protein bar And I was like, what are tie bars? I've never had dude. I bet that exists Probably, but, but no, I was looking fair. for
0: tie Like you can get a tie bar It's just a little bar that clips your tie to your shirt like halfway down so the wind doesn't blow it everywhere Yeah, and it looks kind of classy. Yeah, that makes and I wear sense. I generally wear skinny ties if I'm not wearing my suit So I wanted a skinny tie bars So I type in skinny tie bars and I find one and it says right in the description These are one inch long they are four skinning ties and I go down to the reviews and the one star review is like, yeah, these were super short. They barely even went halfway to my, on my tie. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, okay. So what you just did is you reviewed your comprehensive reading skills. Yeah. One star. <laughs> yeah, I'm giving one star to my ability to pay attention and read, not to the product. Yeah. And for everyone's information, the tie bars work just fine. I've worn them a bunch of times. Sounds so, delicious. Yeah, uh, treat, rate my professors with a grain of salt. I have found that making friends with upperclassmen who have taken those classes before is often better. And like in my case, um, I got into business council, which is like a, a club where you basically like volunteer and do cool things for the College of Business. And there were a lot of juniors and seniors in that class or in that group. So I would just ask them like, hey, who's the best teacher for marketing? Who's the best teacher for business admin? And they'd say, okay, this is the best person. This person quizzes on stuff he never went over in class and it's not in the book Mm. or stuff like that so i did use that to inform my decisions on signing up for classes but yeah have i mean i digress have the date for when you should sign up for classes in the calendar and for that one i would have like a reminder to ping you maybe like a few days before yeah because i always wanted to wake up early and be like refreshing the page for the moment it unlocked
1: yeah yeah. Yeah, and you need to be ready a few days before, at least, because at least I always had every single exact class at the exact time. Here are the top three like setups for my semester. Oh Please, yeah. Dear God, try to get this. I forgot about this. Didn't Iowa State that, have right, like a?
0: Open it up? Didn't Iowa State have a schedule planner? Yeah. It was like it was different than the actual schedule. Where it was like a you could like put in all the classes you wanted, and then it would it suggest would all the times and yeah. suggest different configurations. Yeah. So if you know. What kind of schedule you want? Then you can go right to the times you want, right to the teachers you want, and sign up, and yeah. hopefully get what you want. Um, also, know when like you need to submit the FAFSA. If you're a U.S. student, you need to submit FAFSA for financial aid. There's like a preferred date for that. I think for Iowa State to be considered for all the scholarships and different aid things, you had to submit it by March 1st. So sounds right, something like that. Um, and technically, you could submit it by June, I think. So. Obviously, the earlier, the better. You can get more money. Uh, and then if there are scholarship due dates that are important, like have those in the calendar. For yeah. us, the College of Business had like a a scholarship that was universal to the whole college. And it you basically like filled out one application and you were in the running for 10 or 12 different scholarships. Yeah, very low effort. Yeah. Uh, did you ever win a scholarship from that? Yeah. Nice. Yeah, I got a few. Yeah, I won like, I think, three scholarships from that. So it was very useful to have on my calendar and not forget to do. Um, let's see here. What else do I have? Oh, so this isn't something you can do before the semester starts, but after the first day in class, you can take your syllabi, or as you like to say, syllabesium. Yes. I do. I think I remember. Syllabesium TM. With a TM on there. Syllabesium brought to you by Carl's Jr. Naturally. <laughs> Who else? Because they pay me five bucks every time I say it. Once you get your syllabesium, then I would spend like a good night or afternoon Putting all the due dates for assignments that are in that syllabusium, kind of like loses its humor as I keep saying it, but that's what makes it a real word, Tom. Oh. It's becoming real. Okay. It's entering the vernacular. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, go, enter all those due dates. So when do reading assignments need to be completed? When do you know actual assignments need to be completed? When are quizzes and midterms? That kind of stuff. Just fill your calendar out as accurately as possible because when you're stressed out, when you're dealing with a bunch of assignments mid-semester and you're doing your review sessions, you'll easily be able to look to next week and see, oh, wow, there's a midterm coming up. And I didn't have to worry about
1: putting that in my calendar now. It's just there waiting for me. Yeah, so Reminds if you've me. got some assignment and you're working on it right now, you're like, I could put this off. It's not due till next week, but wait a second. Next week's horrible. So I should really do that right now. Yeah, exactly.
0: So more calendar hacks here. Um this is going to be one that I think is more useful for freshmen who are not very familiar with their campus. But if you don't know where your classes are going to be like cold, I would do this. What I did every semester, especially my freshman year, is I would create the events for my entire class schedule. So my calendar was basically like a mirror image of the class schedule in our little like online university tool. But then I'd go into the event on Google Calendar and put the... Um, location, like the building and the room name. And then I went on the university website, found floor maps for the buildings and linked to the PDF files in Google maps or not in Google maps in Google calendar. So just in case I didn't know where my class was, I pulled up the event in my phone and I just pulled up that map and I was like, okay, it's over on this side of the building.
1: Easy to find. And you're already flustered enough on the first day of a new semester. You don't need, you don't need something simple to throw you off.
0: Yeah, I didn't want to be stressed out. And I mean, a lot of teachers are going to be kind of understanding if you are late the first day. But hey, if you're not late, that makes a pretty good first impression, doesn't it? Yeah. And you're not freaking out. So I like doing that. Um, the other thing I like doing, which isn't really related to your calendar, is if you have some time before the semester starts, walk around campus and just find your classes. And like a good kind of two birds with one stone thing to do here is if you are in like a dorm with new people, go around campus with them because you're doing something with new people, you're making friends, and you're figuring out where your classes are. Yeah. And that's kind of one of the ways I started making my first batch of friends in college. So I recommend doing that. All right. Um, I want to move on to gauging classes, but is there anything like calendar-wise you had written down I didn't cover here? No, no, not calendar-wise. Cool. Or if you have something that I haven't talked about yet, I feel like I've been talking for the most part here because my... Outline-esium is pretty long. Your
1: out-esium is a plural <laughs> suffix, Tom. What are you oh, doing? Well, I could have multiple outlines. How what do you know? are you know? doing? Because I'm looking at it. It's right there. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> All right. Anyway, coin terminology aside, uh, I, think, I think we're good for now. I've got some stuff. Uh, it'll work better later. I've seen your outline. Cool.
0: All right. So the next thing is once the classes start, at least if you're like me, you're going to have the temptation... Maybe temptation isn't the right word. You're just going to be compelled to do as well as you can. And a good example is when I first started taking my first MIS class, um, I wanted to read every single textbook assignment, all the reading assignments. And I literally still have them here in Evernote. Like there's MIS 330 notebook. There's chapter one reading notes. I have like this gigantic outline for everything the book went over. And I think for the first four chapters, I have those. And then, like, chapter five started getting a little bit less, and as time went on, I just stopped taking notes in general. Um, and that turned out to actually be a good thing, because I still pulled an A in the class, yeah. even though I stopped putting in so much effort. And the reason was, I gauged the class early on, and I started to realize, oh, he actually goes over basically everything that's in the book on the slides. So because I already need to be in class, I'm just going to pay really well, uh, really good attention. I'm going to take notes. And as long as I study those notes, I'm
1: good to go. Yeah. And this is basically the same thing that I did every semester. Up until the first exam in each class, I would like do everything, read the passages, pay attention, take notes. And then after that, I would know how much effort was actually required. Like, hmm. was this really easy? Did I need to know this? Yeah. And do I need to keep doing this going forward? Because some classes are going to be harder, and mm-hmm. you shouldn't be working really hard on something you're brilliant at already to get an A yeah. if you're going to get an A with no effort. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you can also start to gauge, like, which classes mean more to you as well.
0: Yeah. Like, for you, I know your language classes were more interesting, and even though they weren't part of your core uh, major, like, yeah, I feel you like they were since That's that. all
1: I ever think about when I look back at college.
0: <laughs> but I mean, when I look back to college, my favorite class was speech. Yeah. And like whenever we do those what if, like what if you went back to college? I always feel like I would major in acting or speech or something like that. Fair. Just because, I mean, I love computers and I love business and stuff like that, but most of what I know about computers and business is just from tinkering around on the computer or working part-time jobs, all that kind of stuff. So I think I might actually have gone back for something a little more soft skill-ish. We'll
1: do it. We're going to graduate school right now. Let's sign up for the new semester. Just we're walk starting, off the
0: podcast set. We're starting next week. <laughs> Camera like starts to follow us somehow. Oh like, yeah, this, we're was, like this was planned. we like at the CU Boulder campus, we literally signing up. It's like nine hours long. That'd be brilliant. It was like an hour long of us just sitting in the waiting room trying to get approved. Yeah, this was not <laughs> planned that far ahead. I don't think we could have made that happen. <laughs> That'd be pretty funny, but also a little bit tedious. Um, And when it comes to gauging, don't just gauge the difficulty like gauge what kind of class is this? Is this a class where you really need to read the supplemental material? Is this a class where you really need to study in a certain different way? Like just start paying attention to, you know, what does the teacher cover on the slides? Um, What did I see on the first exam? Did I see a lot of stuff from the textbook? Did I kind of start pattern matching from like the back of the textbook and the test? Like I've been in classes where the test was for all intents and purposes, the review questions and the vocab section at the back of the chapters. Yeah. And sometimes it's literally the same questions. Yeah. So, in like, it was my marketing class. I went to the end of the textbook chapters, I studied the vocab, I answered the questions. And then when I came to the test, it was like the same thing again. Yeah. So that saved me the tedium of like reading through all of the chapters. And I do want to say, like, we're not talking about just trying to get out of work for getting out of work's sake here. It's more like you have all these priorities. And only a limited amount of time to do them in. So if there's a class that's lower priority for you, find a way to do well in that class so that you can then divert time over to what you really care about. Yeah, it's about being efficient and effective. Yeah. Not really lazy. Not necessarily being lazy. All right. So the next thing I want to talk about is having a review habit every single week. So along with my general decline into laziness every semester, yeah. there was also a general decline into what I like to call entropy or chaos. That and does this tend would to happen, yeah. And uh, this would always happen within my like to-do list, within my calendar. Um, a lot of times within like file structures and stuff like that. I would start the new semester, kind of like remember Psychonauts? I didn't play it, but I know of it. You haven't played
1: Psychonauts? No. Podcast over. Podcast over. We're done. <laughs> I don't even know what system it's on. Was it on PC? Because I never played it. It was PC on PS2. Like I think it was on Xbox, and it is on Steam now on PC. I didn't have a PS2, and uh, it didn't have an Xbox.
0: Well, I have a PS2. Put it on Switch. And I'm pretty sure I have Psychonauts. I mean, who was Tim Schaefer? Tim Schaefer, if you're watching this, please put Psychonauts on the Switch.
1: I'll buy anything on the switch I'll buy Barbie I will games absolutely on the switch. buy it on the switch no, but it's I won't. it's on Maybe Steam I and
0: I've got it on the PS2 if you ever want to play it hmm. it's honestly a really great yeah, platform I've seen I've seen a bit
1: of it I saw Clyde play some of it I think okay
0: so for people who haven't played this game it, you basically like go into the minds of other people and like what's in their mind is the level and there's one character who has his mind like super night like nice and tidy and boxed off and just like really locked down and organized. But then as the level goes on, you start to realize like a lot of things are repressed and it starts getting more chaotic and just things start going crazy. (laughs) I love it. It's a genius game. But that is a good, accurate depiction of my semesters, usually. I start out super organized. Everything is great. And then as time goes on, it's all a mess. There's tasks that haven't been done. They have like due dates that are three weeks in the past. There are calendar events that are like recurring, but I'm no longer going to them anymore. Like it's a mess. And you look at it and you're like, I can't trust my external systems anymore. So then you start relying on your brain
1: to remember things, and that's when things start slipping through the cracks. Yeah, as soon as looking at your system isn't a habit, there's like, what is the system? The system is useless. If you don't look at like a task list every day or something or a calendar, then it doesn't do anything for you. Yeah, it does absolutely. Other than maybe make you feel guilty.
0: It does make you feel guilty. So the way to deal with this, and I made a video about it that we can link to in the show notes, is have a weekly review habit where you review what went right, what went wrong, what did I intend to get done, and what's the reality. But also, where you go in and you basically clear your systems back to neutral. You bring them to where they should be. So if there are tasks that didn't get done, you give them a due uh, due date. Or if you just realize, oh, I don't need to do those anymore. Okay, delete them.
1: Yeah, I think yesterday I said, you need to go in there and complete, delete, or make concrete, by which I mean scheduling. But like, there shouldn't be anything in there that is just hanging out for months at a time. If you're not doing it, it needs to be scheduled so that you do it or it's not important so you need to delete it. Mm-hmm. There's no reason to just leave 10 things in there that are constantly there making you feel like you suck at doing things. Yeah, and I mean, this is something that- And I've it, done that. It doesn't end once school's done because we deal with it with Asana. Yeah, I, I absolutely fall prey to this. That's why I just go in there and say, no, that's not important. It's gone now. If I forget it, it's not important. Mm-hmm. And I, I haven't quite found a perfect way to do all the things in Asana.
0: Like- I will usually if like if I didn't get a task done and it's sitting there with a red date on there, I'll usually just like move it to this Friday, but then it's often just like a process of like kicking
1: the can down the road a little bit, and then it never gets done. Yeah. So well, the the like the UX in Asana is as a little little more complex and luckily than I think what the normal student's gonna have to deal with. That's so. true. Well, I'm trying so to put myself nice. back in my like students' shoes. That-
0: we are, but like, I don't want to make the assumption that students only have to do school things with hard due dates that are like they must be done otherwise you fail the assignment. Because when I was a student, there was always little things like I need to go buy a suit for my interviews coming up or I need to go get my car oil changed. And like it was similarly easy to kick the can down the road. So one thing you can do is make like a maintenance day once a month or once every two weeks or something where it's like, all right, this day, I'm just gonna block off like six hours. I'm. Yeah. This is not time for homework. This is not time for studying. It's time for batching the maintenance tasks. Why did my light just turn off? Boom, another teleportation. Yeah. Not a cut at nope. all. One nope. of our lights definitely didn't just go out. No, that's ridiculous. I just like to sometimes weirdly teleport a little bit into the same exact position, but like
1: slightly changed. Tom, the one thing about technology is that it's always perfect. It never has any problems. It never <laughs> ever breaks. Ever. ever, just ask anybody who works with a cash <laughs> register and one of those little thermal printers. Never breaks. Don't even talk about that.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I used to work at the grocery store, and I hate those printers so much. Thermal
1: printers are dumb.
0: And I um, also hate cash registers because they always like take a zillion years to boot up. Anyway, so maintenance days are very, very useful, uh, and having these review days are also useful as well. So my suggestion is the same day that you have your review day, have your like next week's planning day. And Sunday is a really good day for this. So Sunday, I sit down, figure out what went right next week or last week, what went wrong. Just kind of like ask yourself, what habits do I need to start cultivating to get over some of the problems I had last week? Bring your systems back to where they should be and then review your to-do list and your calendar for what's coming up next week so you kind of know, you kind of preload into your mind everything you need to do during the week. Yeah. And that will keep you organized. Yeah. So I got a question for you. We get a question. Uh, we get questions like this all the time um, from students who are ambitious, and they'll ask things like, "All right, it's summer. Should I buy the textbooks for my next semester's classes early and get ahead?"
1: Well, you're asking somebody who just rented a textbook for a class he's not going to, just because. But aside from that fact, some textbooks are Nerd. cool. They're so cool. They're so fun. They're the best. I own a textbook. I'm going to audiobook it and listen to it for 14,000 hours. No, I'm not. I was going to say, you don't like audiobooks. That doesn't no, sound like no, you at all. I'm just saying, an audiobook <laughs> of a textbook would be like the worst, longest thing. They're Can huge. Can you imagine that probability theory textbook and audio? Yeah, that would be horrible. <laughs> um, I digress. Basically, if you really care, like I do about this random book, then sure, get the book early and read from it if you just love the topic and whatnot. Yeah. But for everything else, which is normal. Why? Why? I, I wouldn't do it because unless it's an online course where you can do it at your own pace and potentially you could front load a bunch of work on one weekend and like finish half the class and that'd be cool. Yeah. But for most normal classes, you you have to go to lectures. A lot of them have attendance required or you're going to get grade, grade points docked later. And if you're going to the lectures and you have to do the homework as they tell you to do it, you can't do it early then you still have to go over those things again later. So really, yep. you're just going over them twice. Yeah. And you're sacrificing a lot of this early time where you could have been making friends, having fun, and building a comfort zone in, yep. your, in your school. And that's that's way more important because if, if you have straight A's, but you're so overwhelmed and stressed and, and you're just falling apart in the middle of the semester, then what was the point?
0: What was the point in D? I I
1: mean, college, in addition, you're more than a GPA. You're also growing as a person and discovering who you are and what you want if you don't already know that. Yeah. It's, it's a huge time for growth. So I wouldn't waste that necessarily getting over prepared. Yep. Getting a little bit prepared, some things. So obviously, language class is my always example for most things that I cared about. But so I, when I had a French class, I would practice my French accent very early on because mm. that's a very small. Easy to practice, base level skill. This yeah. one base level skill improves the rest of my performance throughout the rest of the semester. That kind of thing could be nice to do early. But, okay, but and the an actual kind grammar of takes and stuff a while to. Cultivate, right? Yeah. Well, you have to teach your mouth the physical rules of how to how to make a sound. Yeah. And if you and sometimes you can't even hear the difference between the sounds, so you have to learn how to hear the sound before you can even hear whether you're making it correctly. Okay. Yeah. So that kind of thing, I could see working on early, but I didn't work early on all the grammar because the class is designed to teach you at a pace that you can learn the topic. Mm-hmm. That's that's what the teacher works so hard at making a syllabus for. Yeah, that makes is sense. Is to spread it out a- along the right amount of time.
0: Hmm. And when you're doing it in class, like maybe you're not using what you're learning in the context that you would use it maybe in the real world, but you're at least closer to application in the form of tests and homework and assignments and in-class challenges, all that kind of stuff. And um, I'm like a big proponent of just-in-time learning. Like I need to learn this, okay, I'm gonna go learn it. Because when you're learning just-in-time, your brain knows it's important. Whereas if you're just learning for the sake of like being re- weirdly over prepared for the class, I think you're not going to retain as much. Yeah. So really you're wasting time. And then when you go to class, like if you go to all your classes, like we recommend, you're stuck in the class.
1: Like you're already going to be there. Why not just use that time? Yeah. And And aside from just the efficiency, honestly, if I had prepared for, let's just say econ, that class was fun enough. I actually enjoyed it. But if I had studied everything ahead of time and then I – hence made every one of the lectures incredibly boring, what would likely happen as I found myself very bored sitting there every time was that I would be slowly forgetting the stuff I read early and not even realize it until the test comes up and I'd be like, oh yeah, I read that months ago (laughs) and now I have no idea what it (laughs) is. And I can't bring it back to mind. So not only is the class boring and I lost a bunch of time I could have been with friends and getting used to things, but now I've accidentally forgotten things, didn't know it and blindsided myself on the exam. Yeah. It's just unless you're really into the topic and you are going to keep yeah. learning it and you just, you want to be the best at it, like me with language, then I, I probably wouldn't.
0: Yeah, I think if you're super into it and you have a class coming up next semester, like who cares? Well, if you're thinking if you're really, about it really often enough it. to
1: care about it like that, yeah. then you won't, you probably won't forget it. You care about it. Yep. I just wanted to bring this up because we get questions from people who like very clearly just want to get ahead so they can be ahead. Well, I admire the ambition. Yeah. That's, that's true. It'll probably help you somewhere else. There's but a time and a place this for this is everything. not the most effective use of it in, in most cases. I think. Yeah, it would be like us. I don't know, like
0: weirdly converting the entire site to HTML5 because, like, in four years it needs to
1: be well like I think that or something. Also, we've talked about what if we just like batch recorded like ten podcasts. Yes, oh, yeah. but then at the end of ten podcasts, we're probably so rusty that like the next several, yep. we've we've waited like another two and a half months to record. The next several podcasts are going to be not as good because we're going to be less comfortable on the microphone. I've actually had that happen. Yeah.
0: Not with this podcast, but with Liz and Money Matters. Like we've done five in a day. And because we publish once a week, it's like five weeks before I talk to Andrew again, like talk to him at all. Yeah. So it's like five weeks. Oh, hey, what's up, dude? And now I have to act like we're, you know, we've been talking like all the time. Yeah, so you lost, and we
1: haven't been. <laughs> you lost the negatives of doing it every week, but you also lost the positives of doing it every week.
0: Yeah, there is value in coming back every week and practicing on a regular basis. Yeah, cool. All right, so you know what? I I, I don't know if I talked about this um, when we first recorded this episode, so maybe it's a good thing that we were re-recording it. Make sure your computer's backed up. I remember. Don't do it. Delete all your files. My freshman year, I had a job at the campus IT center, so I knew this. But I was at the library one day, sitting there on my laptop, just doing some homework, and there's this girl pretty close to me, and I just watch as her computer straight up dies. How bad? Like it explodes, or it like, just, it, like it just like it just it, shut it blew off. Blue screens. Literally, it was Windows.
1: won't. It was a Mac, actually. Okay, I don't know what a what max do. I don't know. It'd it just on. shut
0: off, would not boot. She had it plugged in. Like clearly the battery was working. Something had gone wrong. And I'm there. Like I work in IT, so I'm trying to help. And it's just like not coming up. We take it to the tech center. Like turns out it's just totally host for some reason. I don't remember why. And I'm like, okay, did you have a backup of your files? And she says, no. I'm like, no USB drive, no thumb drive, no Dropbox, nothing.
1: So literally all of her work was gone in an instant. That sounds like a fantastic way to start up the semester now that I'm thinking yeah. about it. Well, no, this, st- was,
0: this was like end of the
1: semester. Well, that's, so it wasn't
0: like just right away, like that's she had even put in several um, months of work. So don't let that
1: happen to you. Nothing like having your soul crushed.
0: Yeah. Um, so my recommendation for students at this point is Google Drive. Um, and I know we've been using Dropbox for years. Well, uh, I'm yeah, still like, using Dropbox. I don't think Google
1: Drive did this sort of thing back when I started using Dropbox. I could upload yeah. things, but I don't think it had the live constantly syncing thing on yet. Drop,
0: Dropbox was the first one. I don't know if it was the first one, but it was very, very,
1: very first early one I knew on. about.
0: I think like, I've read that the dude who made Dropbox basically like wrote the architecture for Cloud Sync that most other Cloud Sync things use now. Hmm. So it was probably the first one or the first commercially available one. But regardless, we've been using Dropbox for a long time. Um, I think we've gotten to the point though where like Google Drive is just as good as Dropbox, and the thing is you get 15 gigabytes free, and with Dropbox you get two. yeah you get you get yeah two wow it's been so long and I forgot that amount. When you need to upgrade, the lowest tier you can go to with Dropbox is 10 bucks a month for
1: a terabyte, but with Google Drive you can go to two dollars a month for 100 gigabytes. I would have appreciated like, that a lot in college, honestly. Yeah. I didn't upgrade forever because I didn't I was like, why a terabyte? Now I need it, but why yeah. in college I didn't need that much yet. In college
0: Dropbox had like this referral program where like if you got your friends to sign up, you get I think it was like 500 megabytes per friend. Yeah. And I was like I was insane. I was like an Amway salesman about it. So I think I worked my way up to like 23 free gigabytes with Dropbox. That's pretty so nice. So I never had to pay Uh, during college but I clearly had more than two gigabytes in there so two dollars a month for 100 gigabytes like that would have been enough for me I think it would be enough for me literally now the only thing that puts me over is the need to have video files in the cloud for the editors oh yeah like other than that like photos Um, I don't have 100 gigabytes of photos and what else do I put in there like a few music songs everything else is in Spotify uh files so yeah at this point um and we talked about how like they have like version control and stuff like I looked at Google Drive's version control today it's equivalent to Dropbox's they keep your files like every time you save it they keep a vision of it for uh 30 days so like even if you totally mess up a word document or your roommate goes in and they're just like deletes everything types butts 50 times and hits save like you can go into drive or Dropbox either one Go into yeah. the version history and recover your your file.
1: Yeah, versioning is not just helpful for programmers. Yes, though it is very helpful for programmers. No, it, it's basically necessary for programmers. Don't not have it. But for everybody <laughs> else, it is still very helpful.
0: I remember the days of when I used to do the coding in College Info Geek. I'd make changes on live. Yeah. And for people who don't know what I'm talking about, I would literally log into the code that was live on the internet and just change it on the fly while the website was still up. And if I broke something... Anybody on the site was, like, they were going to, if they refreshed the page, it would break. Yeah. So now, because Martin is a better coder than me, we, like, test a zillion times on a dev server that's, like, on your computer and nowhere else. And then once we know it's good, we push it up, which is pretty sweet. Yeah. But, yeah, make sure your computer's
1: backed up. And two bucks a month if you need more than 15 gigabytes, not bad at all. Yeah, I mean, if I was starting over as a student right now, that certainly does sound like the deal I would... I would be okay with $2 a month way before 10. I was like, a Netflix for files, then I don't need a terabyte? Why? Mm -hmm. Though I think the one thing I was telling you earlier today is, like, I love that you get, like, the docs
0: and sheets and everything, but apparently Dropbox, like, automatically signs up or signs you up for, like, the free Microsoft Office apps online. So
1: you do still have to pay. If you want, like, full-fledged Word, full-fledged Excel, you have to pay for those. Like as a downloadable application? You can still use the web version or what? I'm I'm not a Microsoft expert these days, but I think, okay, I
0: know you can buy Office as a standalone desktop thing like one time because I did that for my mom. Yeah. She didn't want to pay a monthly thing. I'm still running off that. Or you can get like Office 365, which I think you pay a certain amount per month. And you can get like OneDrive, which is also a competitor to Dropbox and Google Drive. Um but apparently like there's like these light versions of the online office apps that are also integrated with Dropbox. So like if you really wanted to use Dropbox, I think you can use those apps like you would Google Docs. Hmm. So that's cool. Roughly equivalent except for you get way more storage for free with Docs. Yeah. Or with Drive. So that's why uh that's why I recommend it. Um so the next thing I wanted to talk about was on campus jobs. I love on campus jobs. Yeah. But because this is probably the midway point in the episode, first, I want to talk about our sponsor this week. We do have a sponsor this week, and it's the same sponsor we've had for the past couple of months, FreshBooks. Um, Now, FreshBooks is a great tool for anybody who's going into college or even in high school who does work on their own, like as a freelancer or as an independent business person. And I know some of you out there do that because I did it during college, even in high school, actually. Like right near the tail end of high school, I had a web design business. Yeah, way before I did. Now, I think we've used the web design example a couple of times here. So I wanted to think of a different example of a business that somebody in college could run on their own who might need this. And I had another idea. I mowed lawns when I was a teenager. And then just recently when we lived in Iowa, we were paying a guy who went to Iowa State to come mow our lawn every single week. And... It was kind of a pain for him because he didn't have a system where he could like easily invoice me. I just had to write him a check every single week and then he probably had to take it to the bank. Yeah,
1: and and like all these you things. were gone
0: one week and like I had to hand him a check or yeah. do some other nonsense. There was always like these texts back and forth to figure everything out. So if you have your own lawn mowing business or if you're a web developer like I was, if you do any kind of freelance stuff, FreshBooks makes all like the accounting stuff and all the invoicing stuff and getting paid by your clients way, way easier. So for one, you can log into your account, you see this dashboard where you see exactly how much money has come in during the year so you can kind of gauge the health of your business, which is always good to do, and you see who owes you what, so you know like what's coming in, you never let anything slip through the cracks. But the best part about it is when it comes time to bill the people that you're doing stuff for, you can create like these super professional online invoices in like 30 seconds, you send them over to them, and when they open the email to see that invoice, you can see when they've done that. So there's no more of that like, hey, did you see my invoice? Oh no, man, I'll check my email later tonight and like waiting for stuff a ton of times, like waiting for checks in the mail. Yeah. The other nice thing is you can do online payments. So like Kayla, our content manager, she invoices me uh, via FreshBooks. I just pay her online straight from the invoice page, which makes it really easy for me to pay and I pay like right away because of it. I don't have to like make a task to write a check and then do it when I have time. Yeah. It's like, boom, done. So- The other thing I found out today, I looked this up because I was thinking about the lawn mowing example. This guy came to our house and he mowed the lawn twice a month, I think. I think it was that. So I was like, I wonder if FreshBooks has like a recurring invoice thing where it can just be like an automatic thing every two weeks that goes to the client without you having to make it. And they do. And what's better than that, they have an automatic payment option. So if you're like a lawn mower and you get a client, you could be like, all right, it's gonna be, I don't know, 40 bucks every two weeks to mow your lawn. But instead of you having to write me a check every 40 or every two weeks and be home for it or whatever, or even just log in and pay the invoice online, you can set
1: up a payment plan for them where it's just every single month, every two weeks, it will charge them. If I had to hire a lawnmower and one of them presented me that option, I would immediately, I don't even care about how professional Absolutely. the invoices are. Absolutely. Them charging me online and having that set up is so much professional by itself. Yeah. And then the invoices on top of it, I'd definitely go with them.
0: I mean, like the bigger lawn mowing companies will already do that. They'll like put you on a subscription plan. But I didn't want to go with a bigger lawn mowing company because I know a lot of them will try to like sell you on stuff you don't need. I just wanted like a college kid to mow the lawn and yeah. keep it short enough so the neighbors wouldn't yell at me. But it was a little bit annoying to have to pay him with a check every two weeks and have to like answer the door and make sure I was home, make sure I wasn't on a podcast and hand it to him. Like, if you would have had that, it would have been great. You'd just show up. I would have never had to think about it. Yeah. Which is what I want to do with lawns, which is why I live in an apartment now. Exactly. No lawns. Hashtag no lawns. So, if you do mow lawns for people, or if you build websites for people, or if you do logo design and graphic design like my girlfriend does, or like Ashley does, any kind of independent work FreshBooks can help you with, and you can get a free 30-day trial by going over to freshbooks.com slash C-I-G. And uh, that will give you unlimited use for 30 days. And when you do that, you can put College Info Geek in that How Did You Hear About Us section so they know you came from this show. And thanks to FreshBooks for sponsoring this episode. All right, so we've got the freelance stuff out of the way. I also want to talk about part-time jobs. Yes. In my experience, part-time jobs are easier to get near the beginning of the semester or before classes start. And the reason is a lot of departments have a part-time employee who goes home for the summer. And a lot of times the student will quit when they go home for the summer. Maybe they're doing an internship. You know, it's just like easy money for them that one semester. A lot of students graduate and they leave their part-time jobs. So then the good part-time jobs open up during the summer. And a lot of times there just isn't enough people on campus to fill those jobs. Yeah. So if you can get in and maybe your university has like a part-time job board on their, their online tool or whatever, you can go apply and it's going to be a lot easier to get the good jobs early on.
1: Yeah, especially if you want to be picky about what kind of job you want or what department you want it to be in.
0: And we've talked about that, like that four-tier system of part-time job desirability. Tier one is anything that's related to your major. Tier two is like soft skill jobs, communication skills, planning skills, anything that will impress an employer later on. Tier three is the warm body jobs where you can do homework or whatever you want while getting paid. And then tier four is like everything else. where It's still a job, but it's like working at a restaurant. Or something where you don't get those ancillary benefits so much. Yeah. So if you want, you know, a tier one or tier two job, timing is definitely your friend. And I actually got one of my best jobs on campus near the beginning of the semester. And I think it paid me like 12 bucks an hour. So
1: yeah, it's pretty good for
0: a student. It was good to look in there. And I don't know about you, but I would actually look at the job board every single week, usually. Yeah. I absolutely. Just out of curiosity.
1: Did. And uh, I did that every week because I wanted to look specifically for. Tech jobs, and I also wanted to look for stuff happening in the language department, just in case I could get any uh, job yeah. there that I could do that would be kind of a cool networking, get to know people that like things I like situation. Yeah, but I ended up getting a temporary position, a three month web dev project that paid fourteen an hour. Really, which was, was, which was like the highest paying thing I did. In That's college. more than I ever got. And it would because it was a temporary project, and they were just like the last, the last person who did this. I don't know their name, so I can't make them feel bad on this podcast. But they just like. <laughs> messed it up it didn't work they had a lot of problems and they needed somebody to come fix it in three months wait was that the one that turned out to be too much for even you no that was a different one okay because i remember you telling me that about, one paid way more wasn't it some job where they just like realized this was a job for like a pro coder and they kept trying oh, to yeah. hire students for i it? came in there like feeling overqualified for what they had placed on the ad mm-hmm. and then i looked at it and i was like the person who did this has at least five years more solid experience <laughs> than me Yeah, like full time knowledge level. So I don't know why you think I can do this right now. I just can't. I tried learning it, and I was like, I'm not ready. And then, and then as the years went by, that job stayed open, and they kept raising the price they were offering for it (laughs) because they couldn't find anybody. They should have just hired like a full time coder. They should have just done that with a degree to do that job. But I I digress.
0: There, you do run into situations because I had the same thing happen to me where you just you run into situations where you realize the person who came before you was like just this unicorn that was brilliant beyond what most students are at at that time. And yeah, when I came into this this job during my uh, senior year, they hired me as a web developer to maintain the website. And up until that point, every website I had ever coded was like, I had my HTML file where all the content was, and then maybe I had like my CSS file where all the presentation and like how things are laid out is defined. So that was what I was used to. And then I come into this job, and the dude had built the website using, like, MVC architecture. Oh. Which is, like, model view controller. And I'm not even going to try to explain it because I still barely understand MVC. But It's Marvel versus Capcom. It is Marvel versus Capcom. That is true. But, yeah, he had, like, all these weird directories and files and, like, everything was interlinking and importing things into it. And I was just like... (laughs) why did they hire me? (laughs) Yeah. I don't know how to do this. So luckily I feel like it was at least in that case, it was like a little bit beyond my comfort zone. So I was kind of able to stretch and you were able to do it. Eventually. I would say that I didn't understand it well enough to make like major changes. Like if they were like, Hey, we need you to redesign the site. I couldn't have done it in that context. Like I, I would have had to rebuild it from scratch, but when they're like, okay, we need you to change the content on this page or add this like oh, little yeah. online calendar. I'm like, okay, I can poke through the code enough to find where this is kind of loaded, and then just add my stuff in there or make the change, or I can Control F through the directory to find what they want me to look for. Yeah. So that ended up being good, but anyway, looking for part time jobs can definitely be a good thing early on in the semester. Um, also. This is gonna be more important for people who are later on into college, but for me, at least, career fairs and internship hunting season starts really early. Like, I think the career fair is less than a month into the semester every year. Yeah. So my sophomore year, I really wanted to get an internship for that summer that would be coming after the sophomore year. And a lot of people don't know this, but if you want an internship after a sophomore year, you start looking at the beginning of your sophomore year because that's when the career fair is. And a lot of companies, they want to make their hires really shortly after the career fair. I'm not sure why, because then they wait like eight or nine months to bring the person on, but that's just how companies work, at least with a lot of universities here in the US. So I wanted to be as prepared as possible for the career fair, so I did a few things really early on in the semester. Thing number one, I took my resume to the career counselor, and I had her look over it. And at first I was like, okay, I'm doing this kind of out of obligation because I must have written into a blog post or something and I'm like, practice what I preach. Yeah, And I was like, I'm good at resumes. I've looked over my resume a billion times. I've looked at blog posts on how to make a resume. I'm just doing this to like cross all my T's and dot my I's. And then I got into the the office with her and she marked that resume up with so many things. Like I couldn't believe it. And she found <laughs> typos too. Don't get cocky, kid. She found typos. Yeah, I was definitely cocky. So it is very much worth it to get your resume reviewed by a professional or at least a second set of eyes because we're not good at proofreading our own stuff. Yeah. Very clearly. Um, And she also pointed out some other things that were like more important than typos. I mean, a typo is pretty important
1: because if there's a typo on your resume, I'm just going to throw
0: it away like if I'm a hiring manager. But she also pointed out like on my duties for my jobs that I listed, I had listed them as duties instead of accomplishments. So, like, for the web development job, I might have said, like, maintained the uh, Iowa State botany website instead of, you know, did this, this, and this. Um, And I didn't have this on my resume during my sophomore year, but one thing I've had on my resume ever since is in that senior year job, I was able to, like, automate a process that would have taken 240 hours to do. And you didn't have that on there? Well, that happened in my senior year, so. Oh, okay. I added it to my resume. Yeah, I'm just saying, like, It was. I mean, I was going into my sophomore year, so I had fewer jobs. But like the jobs that I did already have on the resume, I hadn't known to format them in like accomplishment format. So, but the the example I'm thinking of right now, and you know what? We can actually link to my resume. I keep oh, it really? on my personal website. Yeah, hmm. I just keep it up there as an example for people to look at. Um, but during the res, during the senior year job, there was like this, like these students had to go through eighty page long research results. And there was a bunch of them because they were coming in from different schools, but they were all like the same, the same format basically, like the same study they were doing. But uh, for whatever reason, the company that was, I don't know, putting their data through a meat grinder, required the research reports to be formatted in a certain way. And it would take a student worker three hours to format one of these reports and like to do all the little tasks, like you know, change column spacing in this page to you know point five. Instead of 0.6 Or all these little tiny things Like really nitpicky things That's a very picky system Research is picky Yeah But they had to do it And I'm like You know what Word macros are a thing And auto hotkey is a thing So I spent about two hours Just creating this Frankenstein Word macro auto hotkey weird script thing And once it was built I could open one of those documents Press a key and it would do everything in three minutes. So The now robots I did, are taking our jobs. But I did ask my supervisor, I was like, if I give you this, do the other people in this department keep their job? And they said, yes, we have other things for them to do. This is like, we need to get this done. I'm like, okay. That's good. If they keep their jobs, I will give you this macro. You did, not, you did not try to become a villain. Yeah. Good work. I mean, every company already has automation engineers in the basement trying to automate you out of a job. I don't want to yeah.
1: be one of them. I felt like coding myself out of a job was like my highest function when I was programming. I was like, yeah. if I can code away everything I need to do, that means I'm good at what I'm doing.
0: I mean, if you if you code yourself out of a job and your supervisor is not evil and smart, oh, they just wanted me to do more. They're going to find something else for you to do. Yeah. They're not going to fire you. They're going like, well, to "Thanks for automating yourself out." If you had smart just taken person. away all
1: those students, they'd be like, ha, "Thank Thomas Frank because you're all fired." Yeah. I and mean, I wouldn't be here.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <or a case. laughs> uh, so yeah, I made sure that they weren't going to get fired. But now I could put in my resume, Create an automation script that saved 240 hours of work for my department. Like, so if I'm a if a hiring manager is looking at that resume, they can look at that and go, "Wow, that is impressive. A lot more impressive than responsible for helping format documentation for research results or yeah, something like that, that. That doesn't. That could the, be nothing. Yeah. So if you can communicate what you accomplished and if you can make it uh, quantified in some way, then that is very concrete and stands out. Yeah. So that's one of the things she taught me. Another thing that I did in preparation for the career fairs was I researched the companies that I wanted to apply at. Because the College of Business would publish a list of all the companies coming to the career fair and i look at them and be like, all right, I would love to work for them and them and them. Like internships would be great at any of these companies. And I wanted to make sure I knew what these companies did. So, I mean, this was easy. Like, I just went to Wikipedia and make sure I was clear on what their business was. A lot of my friends didn't do that. And I'm like, do you actually know what Union Pacific does? And they're like, no, but they hire a lot of interns here. Yeah, they pay money to people for something. they pay $16 an hour for IT internships. like, yeah, but if you get into an interview and you don't know that they, like, manage railroads and stuff, it's not gonna look good for you. Yeah. So research the companies. It's kind of a preliminary thing at the beginning of the semester, like later on, once you know who your interviewer is, you can maybe look up your interviewer on social media. Maybe they like fly fishing or something, you know? You can bring that up in conversation. But early on, it's just know the company to some degree. Yeah. You don't got another stock price or something like that, but just like the basics. And uh, the other thing I did was I signed up for mock interviews A lot of companies would send recruiters who would basically volunteer to let students do a mock interview so they're not really interviewing for a job. It's literally just set up for students to build their interview skills. And for me, I was like, any interview practice I can get makes a real interview less nerve-wracking. Yeah. So I did it. But the other thing is, those are real people who work for real companies. They're real recruiters. And they can't just turn their brain off and be like, okay, this student here is for a mock interview, so I don't care about them, and I refuse to get to know them. Like, that's not the case. Yeah, so if they happen to have a job (laughs) that you are interested in later, you've got a little bit of a leg up. Yeah, or you you just get in the back of their minds. They're going to be like, okay, I know this person, and this was a student who had the ambition to come in for a mock interview. That communicates something. Like, I honestly think that mock interviews are slightly real interviews just like informational interviews are kind of real interviews. You're not really interviewing for a position and you don't ask for a job in an informational interview, but you still are bound to impress the person that you're talking to because you took the time to talk to them. Yeah. So do that. Uh, I think that was all I had for jobs and internships. I'm not sure if there's anything else that you did. There's something I didn't do that would have been better.
1: Oh yeah? Uh, So with the career fair and all that...
0: No, that
1: light just—I don't care. We're—we're <laughs> we're just gonna let the light go off. Whatever. That's fine. That's fine. I'll the buy a better light next the light's week. Light's dead. <laughs> you cannot stop us, light. It doesn't look too bad on the screen over there. I can see it. No, so. it's, prob- it's probably fine. Yeah, but I would have felt better about the career fair the the first time that I actually went dressed up in a suit because one time I didn't have it yet. Oh yeah. And I wore—I wore clothes that were kind of professional-ish, but like I didn't like them. They didn't make me feel confident. yeah. And they didn't really fit that well. So if in the beginning of the semester I had, uh, and this works for budgeting in general too, because you get your limited amount of financial aid, you know about your jobs in the beginning. So these big purchases might be nice to make then. So if I would have purchased a suit and all the little portfolio things and the shoes, and then I could have time to get my suit tailored as well. So it would fit right and then I would have felt confident going up to the career fair rather than, oh, yeah, but I still haven't gotten the clothes, I'm gonna look stupid, they're, they're not gonna care. They're not gonna care about me because this is like super baggy and doesn't look good.
0: Honestly, every time I went to the career fair, because I didn't get my good suit until literally last, no, this year, um, I was wearing my suit from JCPenney and I was like, I felt like, okay, I'm wearing the thing I'm supposed to wear, but I didn't like how it but looked. But you didn't feel like it looked good. Because it wasn't tailored. I just bought it off the rack at Jay-Z Penny and I'm kind of a broad-shouldered guy, so any suit that isn't tailored or isn't already kind of cut athletically, kind of boxy. Yeah. So,
1: yeah, get your suit tailored. Yeah, but had had I done that stuff early on in the semester, it would have been easier to find the time Mm -hmm. to get it tailored and find the money to pay for it. Yeah. And with the budgeting thing in general, uh, setting up a budget is also a good idea near the beginning just because you know what the money is. Mm -hmm. And if you wait until halfway through the semester to set up your budget, you may accidentally find, because who knows, maybe you have thousands of dollars from financial aid to like live on. You're just like, I've got all the money in the world. I'll go out to eat every day. You live like a king for like two months and now you've got to eat instant ramen the rest of the the (laughs) semester because you just set up a budget and realized you're out of money. Yeah, and that's something we need to talk about in the budgeting
0: episode we're going to do soon. Yeah. Because usually budgeting is kind of set up with like, I've got this much coming in every month. So, I kind of know that next month is payday as well. But a lot of students get a big influx of cash at the beginning of the semester. And then it's like, it's got to last all throughout. Yeah. And, and if you're just like, you're not all used right. That. Yeah. You're not used to it. And if you're just like, all right, all I ever got to buy is food and burritos and, you know, more burritos. And that's it. And then later in the semester, you realize, oh, no, I got to buy a suit or yeah. I got to buy new tires for my car or I got to buy a. Over the garden wall, Halloween costume that costs one hundred twenty dollars because it's awesome. Like then, there's no money left Is that a over. Real thing, I don't know. Oh, Okay, I just said it because I know you like that, and Fair. I would guess that you wait. You literally did dress I up did, from. But I, I that. made
1: it out of stuff from like Goodwill.
0: Yeah, I would say your costume did not look like it was one hundred twenty dollars. I would hope not. It was pretty
1: good though. I would hope it's not one hundred twenty dollars. It's pretty simple clothes. <laughs> what Was it just like a strip of felt over your eyes with like eye holes? And yeah, it beanie? was just like regular clothes.
0: Yeah. It was pretty good though, yeah, like it looked pretty accurate from the show, um but yes, that is something you can definitely do is like think about what expenses are coming in the semester, maybe a little bit earlier or later on, and then you can plan for those, yeah, put money in your savings account, something like that all right, so the last few things I want to talk about number one, oh hi, light, how's it going? Thank you for joining us again. the light approves the light does, maybe the light just really we doesn't must, like talking we about budgeting. in the light's favor. <laughs> I'm guessing there's just some, I mean, it's an LED. I don't know. Maybe there's some like capacitor that deals the AC power and it just overloads after a while. No, it's conscious. Or it's conscious. That's what I'm going with. All the lights in the studio, they have feelings. Don't hurt them. I would never. (laughs) I'm surrounded. That's true. You're surrounded. And they could leave us in darkness. All right. So first off, build relationships with your professors early on. You can do this actually before classes start. One thing I've done is sometimes I've emailed professors and I've said, hey, I noticed that uh, this textbook is recommended, but it's like the newest edition. Could I get by with the previous edition? And in certain cases, professors have said, yes. Sometimes there's like an online thing, but sometimes there's no assignments on the online thing, so you don't need the code for assignments. It's just like there's quizzes you could take for review. Yeah. So in one class, I bought the previous edition of the book for one dollar off Amazon, and then I just made a friend in class, and I was like, hey, can I log into your online thing to do the quiz review things? And she said, sure, that's fine. So that saved me a bunch of money. Nice. Um, And then, I mean, you can also, that's like a good way to sort of build an initial point of contact with the professor, but then your first day in class, go up and introduce yourself, because you're gonna start building a connection with all of your professors you're going to get to know them, they'll get to know you, and they might tell you about things you would have otherwise missed, like conferences or opportunities, or maybe even like they need a research assistant. Yeah Who are they going to think of when they need a research assistant? Not the person who's like sleeping in the back of the class who they've never even met before. It's yeah. going to be that person who came up and shook their hand first day of class.
1: Yeah, especially if it's a class where you like the subject matter. Mm-hmm. That is also a great networking opportunity. Obviously, yeah. they work literally in that that same topic, so. I think you should do it for every class, though. Because I've talked about this in another video,
0: and one person was like, yeah, but which professors do I go up and introduce introduce myself to? And I'm like, all of them. I mean, you're gonna be in those classes. There's no reason not to know your professor. I mean, the thing is, like, say you're taking a, I don't know, biology class as a prereq for something, or like it's a gen ed that you have to take. And you're a business major. You don't care about biology still, if you know your professor, there's a huge benefit. Because when you know the professor, you have skin in the game when you go to class. And you're gonna be more attentive because you know they have, like they're gonna be paying extra special attention to you because they know you. Yeah. Just like you pay extra attention to anybody you know in a room at a party. Like you just know them. So you automatically think about them more. And I know from personal experience, in the classes where I've known my professors, I was more likely to sit up front and pay attention, and take good notes, and do well. And in the classes where I never took the time to introduce myself, a lot of times i go to the back, I'd sell computers on Craigslist, and just, I don't know, not pay attention. Yeah, like work on blog posts. Yeah, obviously you're gonna get grades for your homework and you're like, you're in the class, but it's like your database entry is in the class. But when you know the professor, like you are in the
1: class, you're bought in, you're engaged. Yeah, I absolutely tried harder in the classes where I was like basically friends mm-hmm. with the teacher because I didn't want to disappoint them. Yeah,
0: yeah. You know that they are going to be disappointed if you don't come to class.
1: Yeah. In fact,
0: I my philosophy professor, I got to know him, but then I skipped some classes during my freshman year and he called me out on it the next time I came in. Yeah. He's like, oh, Thomas, I haven't seen you in a while. Where you been? Yeah, maybe you could have gotten away with it if you would <laughs> never introduced yourself, but now it's too late. If it wasn't for that meddling philosophy professor. Yep. And all those ethical conundrums, conundrums.
1: Yeah, quandaries and conundrums mixed together. I was
0: going to say quandaries and then I was like, yep, yep, there. All right. So last week in the essentialism episode, we talked about how essentialists spend more time exploring their options because when they do find something they care about, they really focus on it. Yeah. So if you're a freshman, if you are brand new to your school, do this beginning of the semester, try lots of clubs, go out for intramural
1: sport, um, meet lots of people, just play the field, you know? Yeah, you you shouldn't just necessarily stick to the first thing you see. Mm -hmm. You have to try out a bunch of stuff to find out what's worth it.
0: Yeah, and on that note, I think, you know, a lot of students, they come into school and they are homesick. And if you just commit to exploring right away, trying things out, meeting people as soon as you can, you don't give yourself time to be homesick. Yeah, I found the people who are homesick and I I actually experienced this as um, as an RA like the people who are homesick or a a lot of times are the ones who weren't really hooked in right away because now they have all this downtime to sit in their room and realize how
1: lonely they are. They're just kind of ruminating.
0: Yeah, exactly. They're just sitting there brooding. But if you're like, oh, wow, I've got this intramural, you know, ultimate Frisbee game coming up in an hour and then I have to go to guitar club. There's no time to be homesick oh, yeah.
1: and you're interacting with people. I could sit here and feel lonely, but I'm going to be late. So I should probably just pencil that in for later.
0: Yeah. And I mean, earlier, didn't you
1: mention like you want to build a comfort zone right away? Yeah. And we talked a little bit about this in part three of the Path to College series. But I think, and I did this coming to Denver. So it's not just a school thing, but especially if you moved away from your parents, away from maybe your hometown, like I did, mm-hmm. building a comfort zone is very important and that means that means a lot of things so it means getting to know the area getting to know where's your favorite place to sit down and eat where yeah. what's your favorite meal what makes you feel really good about being there where's your favorite place to hang out with friends is is it just in the dorms that's fine but where's your favorite place to be alone if you get really stressed or you need to focus somewhere in the yeah. library somewhere in a park mm-hmm. where do you want to go to feel comfortable if things get stressful yeah and that's really important because unless you have your Basically, these are the puzzle pieces to your routine, your your daily habits. I'm stressed. What do I naturally think to do? Go mope in my room or go to the Botanic Gardens here in Denver yeah. and kind of refresh myself. Mm-hmm. So when I came to Denver, I tried to do these things. I tried to get to know my, my closely surrounding environment, my favorite places to relax, my favorite foods. And that makes it easier to just sort of go about my day without going, oh, no, this – Normally, I would have gone to this place right now because I'm really stressed. But yeah. that's my hometown. I can't go there right now. I'm lost. What do I do? I'm just gonna stand here and freak out for a bit.
0: Well, like in your case with the example of the Botanic Gardens, you're associating stress relief with something that is unique to Denver. Yeah. So you're strengthening the position of this new home versus your previous home. Whereas if you just you know mope in your room, you kind of wish that oh I really wish this was my old home. Yeah. All like, you're thinking your room isn't is really unique. Place. Exactly. Yeah. So in college, if you have like a group of friends you can go hang out with or a really cool spot on campus or maybe in the library, that is associated with your new home. So building your comfort zone within that new home is a good thing to do. Yeah, to get rid of that homesickness. Cool, so the last thing that I wanted to talk about was having the right gear. Now, I'll just say this up front, it is inevitable that no matter how well you plan, you're gonna move into college and forget things. Which is why our college literally had like a, like a day where they would bus students to Target. So you could just buy all the things you forgot. Yeah, it's pretty useful. But if you do plan, then you will show up to college with less things you forgot and also less things you don't need. Because that's another thing I realized. Like we came to college with pots and pans and wooden spatulas and stuff. And then realized there's no kitchen
1: in the uh-huh. door. <laughs> and we have a meal plan. There's literally never well, any need to cook. You bring the spatula to the dining hall and you just kind of use it to flip stuff before there we you go. eat it.
0: Can I actually cook my own burger?
1: Yeah. And my mom sent me with a spatula and I feel like I would be wasting it if I <laughs> didn't
0: cook my own burger. So can I, can I just come back there? Can, it's like, can you open the gate? Yeah, yeah no, it doesn't happen. So um, try to plan out what you're supposed to bring. And we do have a resource that can help you with that over on our site, College Info Geek. We have the ultimate pa- a college packing guide. Because I have to give things ultimate names. It's so ultimate. Yeah. But we have basically built a page with recommendations for all the things that we think are good to bring to college. And there's also a printable PDF on the page if you want to take it to the store with you. Um, I know you spent a lot of time coding it. We spent a lot of time getting all the items for it. So we will have that link down in the description below if you are listening or watching this on YouTube or in the show notes. Um, Yeah. And then later this week, I'm doing an updated what's in my backpack video. Oh uh, yes, so the elusive that, backpack. The elusive backpack video, yeah. I did one a couple of years ago. People liked it, so I'm gonna update that. So between that and the college packing guide, we'll have recommendations or at least starting points for the things you should bring to college. Or bring to high school, you know? I think a lot of the stuff we talked about in this episode was like more skewed to college and university than with most episodes, but I think there's a lot here that will be applicable to high school as well. Yeah. So if you're in high school, you know, maybe you're not packing for college, but there is maybe some stuff you could have in your backpack. Or you could plan how you're gonna organize your locker or you know, know like should I put these two books in my bag so I don't have to go to my locker, which is way across the entire school, and then be late for class. Yeah. Because I never give you enough time to get to class. No. It was like four minutes. That's a test. It is a test. Yeah. Sprint to every class. That's how we keep you fit. So that is all I've got for this episode. I don't know if you have any parting thoughts.
1: Uh, I guess it would probably be a good idea to set up sort of uh, any health habits you're interested in early. Oh, yeah. Not necessarily first thing, but like a sleep schedule, uh, exercising, healthy snacks, or what you're going to eat as a habit because Hmm. forming these habits while you have more downtime in the beginning of the semester is, is easier. And then later when you're overwhelmed with midterms and tons of other stuff, if it's a habit now, you will... More likely, still exercise and go yeah. to sleep at the right time and stuff. If yep. you try to form those habits later, you're likely to just say, Yeah, well, I don't have time for that. So I'll form that habit next semester. That's true. Tests are here. It's the difference between already having that
0: part of your schedule blocked off and going and doing it versus yeah. like trying to squeeze it in. Yeah. And once so it becomes it kind it of natural,
1: fit. you'll just respect that time. Yeah. But if I was in the middle of tests and I was going to start a new habit, I. Well, I wouldn't be because I have something to care about. I'd start that new habit later. And yeah. since you have tests, you know, at least twice a semester, you may not want to just keep pushing stuff off until yeah. there aren't any tests. Yep. That would be a good idea. But that's about all I can think cool. of. Yeah, it is a good tip. So I'm glad you added it.
0: All right. Well, that will do it for this episode of the College Info Geek podcast. Once again, I want to thank FreshBooks for sponsoring this show this week. And if you want to get a free 30-day trial of FreshBooks, and start using it to increase the efficiency of your freelancing business, your lawn mowing business, you know, web development business, whatever you might be doing. Go over to freshbooks.com CIG and put College Info Geek in that How Did You Hear About Us section to let them know that you came from this show and to let them know that it is working for them. So thank you once again to FreshBooks for sponsoring this show. Thank you for listening. If you want to support this show, um, another great way to do it is to go over onto iTunes and leave a rating and review. That helps bump it up the show rankings on iTunes, which is probably the place where most people find the audio version of the podcast I'm thinking that's probable probably there's all there's Google play as well but iTunes is probably the biggest place so the higher up we can get on the charts there in the education section the more people will find this show and be able to benefit from it so thank you if you do that and thanks for listening regardless um, show notes are going to be down in the description below if you are on YouTube or over at college info geek. Actually, no, there's a different URL. CIGpodcast.com slash 172. That's our little short link that'll get you over to the show notes page on College Info Geek. You'll find links to Google Drive, to the What's in My Backpack video once we've got it up. All those things we mentioned in this episode. So check those out. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Stay cute.